Today we are looking at life lessons from the life of King David. Key truths that we find from the word of God concerning God's journey with David, but also to have impact our lives here today. I'm not sure if many of you have ever, ever seen the movie The Truman Show. Now, The Truman Show had to deal with Jim Carrey playing a character who was born and raised in a bubble and everyone in the whole world watched over. And then at the end, he found out that he was being watched by everyone. So his life was bared open for everyone to see. There's also a great famous statue in Florence, Italy. It's called the uh, Statue of David. And it's David in all his glory done by Michelangelo back in 1501-1504. It took Michael about four years to do it. And David is done and carved magnificently beautiful in marble, but he's naked. Now, in generations after, they covered areas with a leaf and so on and that, but he was done naked for all to see. And this is what we find when we come to the Bible, God's Word. If you're at home right now, I encourage you to get your Bible, open up. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16. Young kids, I encourage you to stay with your moms and dads and look at what God has to teach us today about these key truths from the life of David. We see here that few of us would want our lives displayed like David did for the whole world to see. I mean, I know there are things in my life I don't want you to know about. I thank God that my Heavenly Father knows and he forgives and he's gracious and he loves me. But David's life was bared open for everyone to see. And this is what we find with David the shepherd boy who became Israel's greatest king. David the king was so blessed by God that he became the archetype of the coming Messiah, the future king of Israel of whom we know as Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. And so David's life portrays that there is a Messiah to come because God's blessing is on him. And yet in David's life, we see portrayed from his youth to his elder years, we see all the good, all the great, all the magnificent things that he has done under the power of God. And then we see all the bad, all the horrible, the terrible things that he did when he turned away from God publicly made known for everyone to see. Yet because of this, we also have key truths, key principles, key life lessons for us today that we can learn from his life. And the first one that we're going to look at is this truth number one. Chosen by God. David was chosen by God. Like many of us here today, we have been chosen by God. This is what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12. 13. Then the Lord said, and this is the Lord speaking through Samuel the prophet, who came to Jesse to anoint one of his sons to be king of Israel. After going through the first seven sons of whom Samuel said, well, surely this got to be the guy. God said, no, I don't look at uh, man the way you do. I look at the heart. Then they bring in the little runt of the family, David, just a teenager of a boy. And then the Lord says, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. David was chosen by God to shepherd God's people. The shepherd of the sheep became the shepherd of the people of the nation of Israel. And yet we find here, God did not choose David without empowering him to be able to fulfill the task, the job, and the ministry that he was called to do. Listen to what we read, that verse again. From that day, 
after he was anointed by Samuel the prophet. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Dunamis means power, the ability to do things. And so God called him to be king and said, I'm going to give you the power to do it. This is what David was called to do. Now, it's exactly the same for you and for you. And for you, and for you, it's exactly the same for each of us who have come to know Jesus Christ. God has chosen his people, the church, and he has empowered the church to be able to do a task that God would have the church do. Queen Street is here in St. Catharines for a reason. This is why God has empowered you to do this work. And what is that task? Well, I know Alan knows. It's pointing other people to God. That's why you work and intercede, pointing other people to God through his son, Jesus Christ, teaching them to live out the gospel as children of God, being a holy and a righteous people, pointing people to God so they might be saved. Now, the Apostle Paul also writes in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and don't worry, we're not going to read these chapters, just a couple little verses from each book or each chapter here. This is what Paul writes to the church, us here today at Queen Street, or whatever church we are from. In him, that's in Christ, we were also chosen. That means all of us, chosen by Jesus, by the Father. Having believed because of our faith in Jesus, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And so when you become a Christian, Omar, when you become a Christian, he fills you with his spirit. You are born again, marked with a seal. Never to lose that mark, because he has given it to you. Then he goes on to say this, Paul says, For we, the church, are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do bad works? No, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so we see here that God has called the church to do a good work, and that good work is pointing people to Jesus, so they might be saved from their sins, which separates them from God, and all the promises that are in Christ. And so we call people to repent. Now, you're no different than David. You're not. You are no different than David. You are also a child of God. Think about that. As God loved David, God loves you. He loves you, just like he loved David. And God chose you, and he filled you with his spirit to serve him. He chose you to be a son, a daughter, you know, maybe a dad, maybe a grandpa, a mom, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a relative, a friend, a teacher, a firefighter, a policeman, a, maybe you're a businessman, maybe you're a construction worker, maybe you're an engineer, maybe you're a cook, maybe you're a PSW, one of the essential workers working at a, a food store, at a gas station, a mechanic, maybe you're, you're retired. Maybe you're at that stage in life. God has chosen you to be retired. The Spirit of God gives fruits to help you in all areas of your life. He gives us fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if Paul says, if we walk in the Spirit, if we walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. As a Christian... As a pastor, as a human being, 
I have desires that are contrary to what God has called me to live. And if I walk in the Spirit, I won't seek those things. But if I don't walk in the Spirit, if I don't read God's Word, and I don't pray, and I don't fellowship and spend time with God's people, I am going to be tempted to drift away from the gospel in Jesus. And so we need to walk in the Spirit, Paul says. The second truth, first truth is we are chosen by God. How blessed you are to be chosen by God. And if you're not in God's family, then you're not chosen. You need to come to Christ to be part of that chosen people. We'll talk about that at the end. The second truth, David, he had faith in God. He believed God. He had faith in God. Listen to this story here. Many of you will know as soon as I start telling what it is. We've heard it since Sunday school. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. I think you know what I'm talking about. Your servant will go and fight him. He's only a teenage boy at this time, maybe 15, 16. Saul replied, you are not able to go out and fight this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. <laughs> he has been fighting man for his entire life, a warrior. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I struck and killed the lion and the bear. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. See the faith in this young man. And then he goes on to say, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion... And the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. Let it sink in. David understood that the natural gifts that he had to fight. He, he, was, a, he was a natural. He was able to fight a lion. He was able to fight a bear. I don't think I could do that. Yet these natural gifts weren't just his because he's so wonderful. They were his because he says they were a gift given to him by God. And so he says here, he says, the lion, and says, the Lord delivered me from the lion, and the Lord delivered me from the bear. It's the Lord who did it, not my skill. Now we know he finally killed a man three and a half feet taller than him, maybe four feet, near 10 feet tall. This Goliath, 100 pounds heavier, a veteran warrior of many battles. Yet David did it by faith. By believing in God's word. This is why he went out. You know why? Think about this. I read it earlier, but you may not have connected it to this story. Let's go back to what we read in chapter 16. This is what God said to David through the prophet Samuel. And David, by faith, believed in God's word. That God would deliver him. This is what the prophet said. The prophet said to David that you will be what? King of Israel. He said that. He anointed him with oil. said, you are to be king of Israel. Now David's just a 16-year-old kid. He is not king of Israel. The king is Saul living in his, in his tent, terrified of this giant. And yet David took God's word that he would be king. And he went to this giant and he said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. That's what David said. That is exactly what he did. 
He overcame the giant in his life. Struck him with a stone, then took the giant's sword, and he cut off his head, and he carried that head to Saul and said, Here is your enemy who defied the armies of the living God, and God has delivered him into my hands. He overcame the giants in his life by faith in God. Faith in God's word, the promise that God made that he would be king. He overcame because he believed God could and God would deliver him. We as Christians, we sing our songs, <laughs> we say our prayers, we tell people we have faith in God, we tell our non-Christian friends, and yet when trouble comes into our lives, we complain, we judge other people, we grumble against God, why me, why me? <laughs> we shouldn't say that, we should say, why me is because I'm a child of God and God wants to show his power through me. David didn't say, why do I have to fight Goliath? Why do I? David said, this is an opportunity for me to trust God that I will be king one day, so I'm going to go and fight this Philistine, and God will deliver me. The struggles in your life, Omar, and in your sister, and your mom, and Alan, and me, and you at home, the struggles that we have are given to us to shine the power of God in our life, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, did you know Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus said, with faith you can move mountains. And if we believe, we will receive whatever we ask for according to the will of God when we pray in his name. And then the Apostle Paul says also this, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us in the book of Philippians. Do we believe that? Are you facing any giants today in your life? Are you facing any giants? Are you facing any giants in your life today? Are you? I believe you are, because I am then it's time to believe God will deliver us. It's time to believe in God's word. Like David, Jesus said, I will never, ever leave you. I will be with you always in Matthew 28. And in Hebrews, it says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. It also tells us that once we are born again, we are part of God's family. We do not need to despair. We need to believe and receive. Let's go on to our last truth here. Our last truth here in this story here of David's life is the truth that we need to look at. You need fellowship, <laughs> especially in this time of this pandemic. The church needs fellowship with one another. Let's go to chapter 18 of Samuel, and this is what we read. After David had finished talking with Saul, the king of Israel, Jonathan, his son, who was a prince, became one in spirit with David, and he loved David as himself. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan cared nothing about being king. He cared only about God's will. And Jonathan knew God called David to be king. And he loved David. And in chapter 19, Saul told his son Jonathan, and all the attendants, you have to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David, and he went and he warned David and said to him, my father is looking for a chance to kill you. This all happens after David rescued King Saul and all the princes of Israel and all the armies from Goliath and the Philistines. And so here Saul and the army are coming into the town, into the city, and David is riding with them. And the people are saying, Saul has slain his thousands. Saul has slain his thousands. Saul's thinking pretty good of himself. And then after the next refrain comes in, but David has slain his tens of thousands. Saul sought to himself, hey, what else can they give him? They're giving him 10,000. They might as well give him the kingdom too. And so from that point on, Saul was jealous of David and sought to kill him. 
Opposition comes when you stand up and do what God calls you to do. Think about that. Whenever you stand up to do what God has called you to do, opposition will come. Satan wants to destroy you. God allows it because God is going to work in your heart to make you like his son Jesus, who had terrible opposition, but still went to the cross for us and died and rose again. When you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, are you a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? Have you wandered away? I hope you are, and if you wandered, you can come back. But when you are a faithful follower to Jesus Christ, you will find opposition will come against you for your beliefs. You will need encouragement from people who believe in the same Jesus you believe. You will need fellowship. However, David had friends who stood beside him. There was Joab, there was uh, Abishai, there was Asahel, great warriors. Uh, you read about them in the three mighty warriors and so on. But he also had Jonathan who was his foremost companion and friend who stood beside him. King Saul's very own son who strengthened David when he was down. Who was there when David was in need, when David was uh, depressed, when David was wondering what's going on. Jonathan was there to build him up. That is why we are the church here today. I come from First Baptist Welland to help build you up. I need you to build me up too. We need one another to be strong in Christ. A called out community is what the church is. Called out from this world that would have us to join them in sin and debauchery. To have us join them in saying marriage is this and not what God's word says which is one man and one woman. To have us say that abortion is okay. To have us say that sexual identity is not found in what you were born but you can decide whatever you want at any point in your life. The world would have us believe that. We are called to encourage each other to hold fast to God's word. It never changes. The story of Adam and Eve is the same. One male, one female. And so we need to hold on to that. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are members of God's family. Together we are his house. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and Jesus. We are built on the word of God. It doesn't say we're built on the foundations of the society or what the government says is okay or what culture says it's okay or what culture defines as sexuality. It doesn't say that. It's built on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, God's word, and Jesus believed in them. I follow Jesus. That's, I don't follow CBOQ. I don't follow a Baptist church. I follow Jesus and he believed in the Bible. And the cornerstone is Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And why are we a temple? So that people can see us. When Solomon built that temple back over 3,000 years ago, it was built so it would be a magnificent witness to the world that God is here living among men. And yet they began to worship idols and they went the other way. We, the church, are not to become worshiping of idols. We are to be worshipers of Jesus. The world will see us and come to Christ. You're not alone in following Jesus. Yet you need to be in Jesus. You need to be in God's word. You need to be part of God's body, the church, so we are not alone. You have a family here, a church family, a family you can lean on for encouragement and for help. 
This is why we gather to help one another. This is why we gather to provide each, for each other. This is why we have online streaming services. This is why we have Facebook. And this is why we have other activities here. At, you have a Queen Street. I know at our church in Welland, we have men's Bible study, women's Bible study. We have youth activities still going on today because the church is in need of gathering. David reached out to Jonathan, or Jonathan reached out to him. They reached out to one another. You need fellowship, especially in this time period. You need to connect. And when the lockdown is over, you need to get back to church. We are people of faith, not of fear. Yes, cover up, social distance, but we need to gather to build each other up, to pray together. Physical contact is how we were meant. The other day I was talking to somebody and saying like, wow, if uh, social distancing and virtual viewing and Zooming is what God wants us to do, then why do I need to go to heaven? He might as well just Zoom me in and I can look at Jesus up in heaven. I don't need it. No, Jesus wants me in heaven. He wants you in heaven. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I come back to take you with me so you can be where I am. We're going to be together. Come together when the lockdown's over. As a family, be smart, but come together. So what did we learn? First truth. We're chosen by God. God loves you. God loves you. He chose you. Second truth. Have faith in God. Believe in the Bible. Follow God's word. The third truth. Gather together. You need fellowship. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you that we can come under your word today. God, use it to touch our lives. Lord, if there's anyone who has never committed their life to Christ, never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, and they have been uh, touched by your hand and know that their sins separate them from you, today is the day for them to turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior. If this is your desire, pray this with me. Dear God, forgive me for my sins in my life. I've allowed other things to cloud my vision of you, and I've been running from you. I surrender my heart to you, I ask you to forgive me. I believe in your son, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, and I receive him in my heart. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. And we who are your people, God, help us to be strong, that we would point other people to you, and we would live a holy and pure life, Lord, and honor you and be good witnesses for you. God, bless this time, your word, for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting me share. First Baptist Welland says hi.